Does a church have customers, yes or no? And coming up on Ask Mike, how to get a discussion going at a Bible study. All of that coming up on the Better Sundays podcast. Welcome to the Better Sundays podcast. Focus, practical, and usable advice for church leaders looking to reach new young families and impact their community. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Mike Holmes here. Good to have you here in studio. Some of you are watching on video, some of you listen on audio, but it is a blessing uh, to have you with us here. I am blessed to have uh, so many of you as my friends and my listeners and appreciate uh, all of you that uh, uh, you know have spread the word and give me feedback and get back in touch with me. We're excited about uh, the service of, of ReachKeep and being able to reach out and help so many different churches in so many different ways. It is just a blessing to be able to be a trainer and help uh, pastors and Sunday school teachers get what they need. And so that's what we're all about here. And today we're covering a very, very important topic in our regular podcast. We are covering the idea of does a church have customers? And of course, we're diving into this idea of is a church a business or not? Do we have a uh, do we have an obligation to be business like at some level? And uh, the answer, of course, is yes in some ways and no in others. We obviously know the church is a very important thing, spoke about throughout the New Testament, and, and very uh, spiritual thing. But in a way, there are many things that we have that people are coming and looking for, and we're going to talk about that today. Does a church actually have customers? And then when we get to our Ask Mike segment at the end, we're we're going to cover this topic of how to get a discussion going at a Bible study. In other words, how to teach so you create discussion and how to bring it back in and still keep in control of the, of the content uh, that you need to. So uh, we're going to jump into things. If you're new here, I'm Mike Holmes. I'm the founding pastor of Sinclair Baptist Church and blessed to be with you here in our little makeshift studio. Glad that uh, you are here and trust that you had a tremendous Lord's Day, whatever, however you're serving, wherever you are serving. We're excited for you uh, in your ministry. We want to be a blessing to you and help you out. And please write us and let us know. Um, my address is info, that's just I-N-F-O, at reachkeep.com. And uh, you can always go to reachkeep.com and find our contact information there, but you can also find all sorts of other uh, information that you might need. But from there, info at reachkeep.com, you'll get directly to me and I'll be able to answer your question, whether on the Ask My thing or if it's just a personal question about ministry stuff, uh, we'll be able to dive in. We do have a deeper academy, our ReachKeep Academy. We're spending a lot of time talking to pastors around the world and around our country in North America, Canada, uh, helping them out on particular things, uh, topics, and that's an interesting thing. You'll learn more about that if you hang out with us. You'll learn more about the ReachKeep Academy uh, and how to get involved. So, all right, let's just jump right on to uh, does the church have customers yesterday? or no. This kind of gets into some of these uh, uh, pragmatic kind of discussions where you sort of like, you know, are, are we trying to be too super business-like and, you know, for the, for the sake of business? And as always, let me preface all of these things. When you wake up in the morning, you need to decide that you're going to live your life to the glory of God. 
Okay, and I mean, that's the way it works. You get up, read your Bible, spend some time, and do whatever you do, eat or drink, whatever, do to the glory of God. I don't think just reading your Bible in the morning gives you kind of carte blanche. You can do anything the rest of the day. But folks, it does get your toes pointed in the right direction. And if you are wanting to serve God and reach people, then there's going to be some honest analysis at every level, at your Sunday school level, at your greeting level, at your financial level, if you're buying a building and you have a facility, you're going to have a lot of business type things that you're going to be going through. And one of these is this idea of, are we really serving people? And are they, are they customers? Now, in the church world, there's often some uh, kind of disparaging comments about people that are, you know, shoppers and hoppers, and they're moving from this church to that church, and they're kind of looking around for something, and it's sort of like even, that's very a negative type of a of a thing, and, and it, you know, it might be, I wrote down in my notes that, uh, you know, sometimes churches are just, you know, aquariums, and the fish go from this aquarium to that aquarium, or, you know, some illustration like that I heard. Um, I do believe that people do shop for a church. And believe me, if I got dropped into a new community and I was a new believer or even just someone who was trying to figure out things of God and I knew and I was told and I was encouraged to go to church, I would probably shop around as well. I would probably come up with some kind of plan. I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go there and I'm going to go there. I'm going to try five of them or six of them and, and kind of see. And of course, in this day and age, you know, they're going to try you ahead of time on your website. They're going to be looking uh, at you on your Facebook page. They're going to be looking at your Google, uh, you know, business page. All of those things are going to see way before they ever get there. So all of those things do kind of equate with the idea of a consumer or a customer. If a customer is looking for a used car, they would probably go from place to place to place. If you're looking for someone that does upholstery, you would probably call a couple pill paces and maybe see some of their work. If you're having them do some special work for you, if you're, you know, wanting to buy tropical fish, Okay, let's go back to the aquarium for a minute. You probably would go to some of the different fish stores if there even is such a thing in your community and try to find someone that really knew their way about it. So the idea of shopping and looking around is very natural. And as pastors, uh, I don't think it's healthy that we make fun of people that are looking for a church. I think it's a I think it's a good thing for them to be out doing that and they should be applauded. Uh, and then let's you know do what we can to bring them into ours. And I'll tell you right now, our church, you know, the one I founded and started and is going great guns right now, ours is the best church in the community. We're not only the best church in the community, we're the best church for the community. In other words, I believe it's my team. And so, of course, I'm going to believe that. And you probably ought to believe that about yours, too. And then when you see people come to your church, it's kind of a sort of a neat thing. They're going to be, uh, you know, looking at your church and you're going to be doing the best you can to put your best foot forward and see if you can bring them in and then, you know, lead them to the Lord and then disciple them. So, yes, there are some things. Now, I wrote down in my notes a couple of things here why people do, uh, you know, choose different churches. And and th there's many of them, and they're all legitimate, okay? Uh, you know, some have a little bit more weight than others. Uh, some have to do with, you know, family matters. In other words, if they have a bunch of middle school and teenagers, they might be looking for a church that has middle school and teenagers. And that is not a bad thing. That is because they want their child to be ministered to. They are looking for someone that can teach at that level. If they have little bitty kids, they're probably 
looking for, you know, something that has a good nursery so they can drop the kids off and then be able, uh, you know, know that they're safe and secure and all that, uh, and then be able to enjoy a, a service. So those are all legitimate things, and we would do the same if we were looking in other places. Uh, some people are looking for uh, churches that have, uh, you know, deeper friendships and role models. Uh, I was talking with a pastor today, and again, this is sort of putting on your thinking, try to think like an unchurched person when they come to church. When an unchurched person comes to church and they're not familiar that much with church, and they, so the doctrinal questions, they wouldn't even know what they are. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even ask the right questions and some of that. But what they're doing is they're walking into an environment and I, I told this pastor today, it's like new people, when they walk into a new church, okay, or, or a church to visit, and they're kind of looking, they look at it kind of like a Home Depot. They look over it, and they go in the in the, the remodeled kitchen area, and they go, oh, man, we really could use one of those, honey. And then they go over, and they say, look at these windows. Wow, look at that front door. And like, oh, man, here's some lawn and garden stuff that would really help. And what they're looking at is in their life, they're looking and going, wow, there's a stable, there's a stable family that is kind of like our age, and we need that. There are some teenagers that are respectful. That we could buy some, you know. There's, you know, there's some little kids that are sitting still in church and not crying and screaming and, you know, throwing a fit. We need that too. In other words, when they go in, they're dreaming. They're looking at different things that are out there. And many people come to a church looking for role models, not only for their marriage, but for their children, for their little bitty kids, you know, all of those things, they're, they're looking for that. They're searching for some type of solution. So many times people come for that. Some people come to church because of the doctrine. In other words, they, they have a doctrinal belief that they're going to believe and they've been raised that way and they're going to check out your doctrinal statement and ask you for a statement or look it up on your website. So that does happen. There are uh, some people that come uh, to church and this is a little bit more frivolous, but Boy, this is true, and in our community is true. People come because of location. They know they need to go to church. They've kind of raised in some mainline thing. They know they need to go to church, but they are coming because your church is on the corner or your church is near their house, and they figure it is closer and they can get to it on a regular basis, which there's some some merit there, uh, you know. Uh, they don't have to drive 30 minutes to a church or, you know, an hour or whatever. Met someone today, drove 45 minutes to a church. Obviously, location wasn't an issue uh, to them, but they're also a more mature Christian, and uh, so they, you know, join this church because of the doctrine. So there are, and then there are some that that you come to church because of like it was friendly, okay? And that's a positive thing too. I mean, they may not know anything about doctrine, they may not have any grasp of anything biblical, but man, they were welcomed at the door, and someone asked about their children and and some of that. So all of these things are legitimate things why people do come to church which thus makes them a customer in that sense and so uh, i don't want you to you know like don't forget the why i mean we're doing all to the glory of god but here is a couple of tips that i wrote down uh, in my notes here to help us okay when people come in and they are looking all right and this would be for new people you're not trying to be a crowd pleaser that's not what all this is but these are just some simple things here's one that i wrote down wrote down this is value as you would want to be valued in other words value them the way you would want to be valued so some of that would be you know being a good listener 
and, and actually taking a little bit more time and asking, you know, where they're from and where their background and pay attention to the children and how are the kids doing in school and, you know, the way that you would want to be valued. And, of course, this is the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them uh, do unto you. Uh, this kind of goes into another one, which is a really important little lesson I learned years ago from somebody. It's just what's important to you is important to me. So what's important to you is important to me. So if they start asking many, many questions about the children's ministry, for example, that is what is important to them. And that's what we need to make sure that we start, you know, that we talk to them about. Pastors lots of time like to move off to the doctrine or move to, you know, different ecumenical type positions and kind of see where people are. But if they're just asking questions about nursery and kids and security and, you know, how do you do, how do you keep them safe and how do you move them from here to there and do you do programs for your kids during the week and do you do stuff, then then if that is important to them, then you make that important to you and value them as a customer. I learned a lesson. Um, from a Walmart manager years ago, I was doing some work for uh, Walmart to do a little snow removal. And I was in there talking to the manager uh, about some important stuff that is important to me anyway. Uh, you know, I was uh, where we're going to pile snow and some of that stuff. A customer came up and he was taught that customers are first vendors. Okay, I was a vendor. Vendors are second. And he said, excuse me just a minute. And he took that customer and he walked way down the aisles and showed him exactly what they wanted because what was important to them was important to him okay and then he came back to me he lived by the idea of customer first and he was polite and came back and 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 solved my problem but he did put customers first and this is this idea of what is important to a new person who is visiting needs to become important to us and we need to think about that and then the the last thing that i have here before we jump into the ask mike segment is just the idea of of viewing people and i try to view people for the length of the relationship when I first meet them and not just for their singular attendance. In other words, they're not just, you know, someone sitting in a seat for that service or that service or that service. But I try to value them over the long term um, and think of what they would become as they are developing. And so if you have like a young family and they have three or four kids, you can start to, and again, you wouldn't do this like right in front of them, but you would kind of look at them and go, man, their kids are someday going to get in our Sunday school class, and we're going to teach them the Bible, and those kids are going to get saved, and then we're going to teach these kids to develop character through their middle school and high school years, and then those kids are going to grow and become young adults, and they're going to get married, and they're going to bring their family back here because they love their church. And, and you know, you just start to sort of revel in the fact that you got a growing family, and it's a really neat thing, and being valued for your long term is very appealing rather than being valued for your short term worth. Let me give you a, a story here. And this is a such an important story. Back in the uh, late 70s, uh, maybe early 80s. Um, uh, yeah, it would have been 80s because I got married in the early 80s. So uh, my wife and I were married. We were in a store in eastern Kansas and she had bought something and she wanted to return it. And she said, I can't return it at that store, but there's another store uh, about 100 miles away and we can stop at that store and return it there. And I was like, it blew my mind. First of all, in that day and age, you didn't return anything from one store and buy it in one store, return it in another. I had no idea what she was talking about. She's talking about a new a new kid on the block uh, that had just showed up in eastern Kansas, south Missouri, uh, some of that area. And it was uh, Sam Walton's new invention 
called Walmart. And of course, now they're mega and we think of them in a different way. But when we went into that store, she returned them and I don't even think she had the receipt. And I, I learned a lesson. Walmart valued her for not just that one transaction. Oh, here's a lady trying to rip us off, you know, bought those jeans somewhere other, you know, some Kmart or someplace, and now she's trying to return them here. No, they valued her. They took the jeans back right away, able to exchange them, bought some new ones, and we were hooked. Now, at that time, they weren't everywhere, okay? But we drove a long ways to go to Walmart then, and we now have since, and I have not totaled it up, but it's somewhere between a billion and two billion dollars we have spent. <laughs> I'm just, I have no idea how much, but think about how much money we have spent at, a wall, at Walmart because they valued us for the long term. And this is something very important. When new families come and we're reaching people and they're looking at our church, we want to value them and really love on them and make sure that we're, we're, we're looking at them in, in the long term and not just the short term. And I know they're just first timers, or maybe second timers, trying to figure all that out. But it shows when you start to think and to love on people. So, all right. So that is our thing. Our church uh, people, customer or visitors, uh, absolutely, they are. Uh, absolutely they are customers in the degree that that I said here they're also precious souls to the Lord and we need to win them and help them to uh, grow and mature mature and become disciples of Christ and that is our goal is to fulfill the great commission and to disciple these people preach and then disciple them so all right hey let's jump into ask Mike Ask Mike, had a question this week that had to do with Bible study, and it was how do I get discussion going at a Bible study? Many times, us preacher types, we are speakers, and all we do is speak. We don't ever listen, okay? And we're used to just speaking and getting through our amount of content, and you got like, you know, these five verses, you're going to make it through, and I'm going to get all the way through those verses and get done with it, and we're not interested in taking, getting off of our pathway a little bit. Well, let me give you uh, a method that will help you get discussion going. And by the way, I would venture to say that almost every time that you have been in a Bible study or a Sunday school class where some good discussion came, that afterwards the comments about it were positive. In other words, people said, man, that was a really good lesson today, Pastor, because there was some feedback, okay? Discussion is not a negative thing. Discussion is almost always a positive uh, thing in a Bible study type setting. And especially if you're there as the leader, you can bring, you know, things get a little bit off tangent. And I've been there where people kind of, well, I think that. And it's like, well, no way, let's take a look at this verse and you kind of bring them back. So let me give you a Bible study method or a teaching method. And it's called the, the, the teach and then discuss and then teach model. Teach, discuss, teach. So let's let's say you have three verses that you're going to go through. Okay, uh, John's you know sixteen, John three sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. We'll just we'll just pick those. Okay, and you're going to start with the first one, and you're not going to go to the second one until you have discussion in the middle. You're going to get to the next verse, then you have some more discussion, then you'll get to the next one, then you have some discussion. So here's kind of how it would work. You would read through the verse, okay, and you would have prepped a few questions ahead of time. And you might, uh, you know, for example, a question on those verses uh, might be, um, we find here uh, that the, there's a promise of everlasting life. 
Does anybody know how long everlasting life is or have any idea or illustration of something that is everlasting? And people will be like, yeah, I, you know, I once heard of something that, you know, a story about everlasting. I thought about a circle and it goes all the way around. And, and you, you basically teach, ask a question, and then you stop and solicit question. You solicit from that. So it's teach discuss and teach so now you can do this in a couple a couple models a good way to do it is if you have more than you know we'll say a dozen people is to break up into a couple groups or maybe three groups and you have group a b and c and you you go through the very first verse then you you say tell you what at your group let's let's discuss this and you guys discuss it and you guys discuss it let's come up with some some ideas for for describing eternal life and everlasting life i'd like for you to kind of think about that i'd like for uh, you to think about that over here and you to think about that i'll give you just a couple minutes to think about it and you might jump into one of those groups and and kind of you know be in there talk about what everlasting means and some illustrations about how long it would be and you know ten, when we've been there 10,000 years or we've been there 10 million years you know uh, bright shining as the sun from amazing grace there's a lot of little different things and then you so you get that you you posit the question you give it out to them and then you say all right so what do you guys have here oh we came up with this illustration about everlasting life you know that the johnny here had heard you know from a, a sermon years ago and he kind of will tell you johnny what is it well i heard this illustration about the rock of gibraltar and how big it was and the waves would try to knock it down and how long it would take and that would be just eternity brand new and it's like oh wow that's kind of neat what do you have here group two okay a little discussion what do you have at group three you know discussion oh these are some great things folks when we get saved when we trust the lord as our savior we get everlasting life and so then you say let's just jump to the next verse and then you go into the next verse and you do the same thing you have a couple of questions open-ended questions all right go ahead and discuss 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 i'll give you a few minutes here and you start to do it what you'll find is that if you Teach for five, discuss for five, teach five, discuss five, teach five, discuss five. There's 30 minutes right there. You've already chewed that up. And what you'll probably find at the end, and this happens to me all the time, I'll say, okay, da, 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 da. okay, we got to get back here to, uh, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. We got to kind of close this one up. And then we go, Pastor, we need some more time to talk. We need some more time. You know, you're, you're not giving us enough time to discuss. And what you've created is a discussion thing. Now, the benefit of this is then when fellowship happens in your church, it is fellowshipping around a spiritual matter and not a football game or a hunting season or a recipe or the new carpet or, you know, whatever gossip happens to be going down. You're creating fellowship people are connecting within your group and within your church and they're connecting on a spiritual matter and someone from here come over to that person and say man you know when i was a kid i heard that illustration too and suddenly you got a discussion going so all of those things are called the teach discuss teach model i can give you some more is actually it might be a good thing for ask mike uh next week we might get to that as well so all right we've chewed up plenty of time here thank you for listening on our podcast thank you for watching on on youtube uh the question that we were really dealing with is does a church 
church have uh, customers? Uh, Yes or no? And we really kind of talked about recognizing that lifetime value uh, of, of those people and how important all of that is. What's important to you is important to me. So if something's important to you, it's important to me, let me know, please send me a note at inforeachkeep.com. I'll try to answer your Bible questions or your uh, church management type questions with uh, children, that type of thing. And of course, remake, make sure that you continue to serve the Lord with gladness and that you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. This is Mr. Mike and let's adios for tonight. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.